No, wrong again. X is not going to give you a hell of a lot this week. Damien Martin on episode nine is going to give us an absolute treat. Retired on Monday, 340 plus games, six NBL championships, six times Defensive Player of the Year, Finals MVP. He's an Olympian. He has done it all. But most of all, especially if you've been around WA and Perth, you know about Damien Martin, his leadership. It is incredible. The best I've seen and witnessed in any sporting code in Australia. An absolute weapon, a legend, the real nice guy of the competition. He has got a bit of a cheeky side to him. I will give him that. I can't wait to get tucked into Mardo. Again, retired on Monday and was good enough to spare me 50 minutes today. But before we get into Mardo, thank you so much to those who have rated and reviewed me. I have no idea what that does. I really don't have a clue. But anyway, just keep doing it. I'll continue to send nudes. If you want a nude, hit me up and I'll send a nude. If not, let's just have a beer at the footy when I see you. Hit me up. If you see me at the football, crowd's back in the audience. How good's that? If you're running to me, let's grab a beer. Let's sit down. Let's talk a bit of naan. But thank you very much. Again, I don't get anything out of doing this podcast. I'm literally just learning how to edit and run a program myself. Working breakfast radio, I literally sit in a seat and do bugger all. But more importantly, don't worry about me and my stupidity. Let's hear from an absolute legend, Damien Martin. Now he puts everything for the team first. His body numerous times on the line for the team first. Doesn't care about the individual recognition. Is at right angles right now, Damien Martin. Pulling it back in. He's ready to go. Into shape. Goodness, this guy. You've got to say that. How tough is he? Plays going on, but. Damien Martin takes an inadvertent elbow. Great pass. Oh, Martin again! Make the trophy now. He just sees the heads turn. I'm going to try to get in there and get a steal. The shadow. There's one go. Sneaks around the other side. Two on the shot clock. Newville rejected from behind. I love the game and I love the club, so you know I'm always going to miss it, especially game day. Game day is the best day of the week, so I'm always going to miss it regardless of what I move on to in the future. You know, what a way to go out, having won a championship alongside... That's right, the NBL champion wrapping up. Damien Martin, congratulations, retired on Monday. Yeah. Thank you for joining me for It's Time for a Beer. Cheers, mate. Beautiful. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's been... Uh, I've known for a long time I was going to be retiring, but I've actually put it off twice. So twice the media guys called and said, can we lock it in for next week? And I'm like, yep. And then as the days got closer, I called and said, no, nah, I'm still not ready to do it. Happened a second time and then finally said, look, we've got to do it. It's free agency. We pretty much signed a whole team. I was like, all right, lock it in for next Monday. And and I should have just done it that day, to be honest, because it was the longest week of my life. I barely slept. But I do. I feel way better. It's been, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours uh, since I did it. So it's given me time to digest, relax, and and look forward to what whatever's next. When you say you weren't you weren't ready to do it, were you umming and ahhing still? Or was it like sending your child to boarding school? You're just like, I'm just holding <laughs> off for a little bit longer. They're eventually going to go. Was it, was it umming and ahhing or you were just... No, I, I, was, I was fine with the decision because the decision was made for me. Uh, as soon as I had that injury you know, back in round four, I actually didn't know the severity of it until you know, we returned from a two-week road trip. So once I got back from that road trip, had the MRI and then met with the doctors, you know, kind of by the end of round six it was by then. Uh, I knew the inevitable was it's going to require full Achilles reconstruction. A moon boot won't do it any good. Mm -hmm. And at 35, getting a full Achilles reconstruction means 12 months out of the game. Yeah. So it was, you know, I knew what was going to happen. It's just I couldn't bring myself to literally say the words I'm retiring. And it's yeah. the weirdest thing because I've almost got a fear of silence, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, every time I sat down and think about saying some words or preparing some words for the retirement speech, I just went blank. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just whether it was the anxiety, whatever it was, I knew I wasn't changing my mind. I knew I was going to do it. I just, just couldn't think, how am I going to thank everyone and thank them in a way that I can really articulate how much they've meant to me uh, and how basketball has changed my life and they've been a part of that. So how do you sit down and prepare something that you just want to thank anyone and everyone yeah. that's been involved for the last you know, 20 plus years? Now, I thought I did you a rock solid asking your coach, Trev Gleeson, uh, about your contract status about <laughs> eight weeks ago where <laughs> I said, if he wants to play, can he play? And he did say on air that and publicly – he will play as long as he wants to play. I mean, you could have signed two or three years there, mate. Have the, have, have the Achilles done and then away you go. Yeah. But 
No, nah, you're too good a man. That's your problem. You're actually too nice. I, I would have signed a long termer and said, I don't give a fuck. I'm staying. I'll take 50% pay cut, but I want three years guaranteed. <laughs> hey, um, as I said, mate, congratulations. 343 games, six times NBL champion, six times NBL defensive player of the year. Did those six and six coincide with each other, with your form? Was, was it pretty much when the Wildcats were good, you're, you were almost the write-up for the, the defensive player of the year, or did it, did it sort of uh, rotate a little bit? I haven't looked at it, so I could be wrong here, but I dare say four of the years I won defensive player of the year, we won a championship. Yep. So it wasn't six from six, uh, but there was definitely a few that yeah, aligned well. Now, mate, you were you were born in Gloucester, which uh, for us living in Perth, Gloucester usually means a Friday night at the trots. Uh, is it, <laughs> it's, it's Gloucester, isn't it? I, yeah, I, asked, no. I asked my New South Wales friend how to pronounce it. They said Gloucester. Where, where is Gloucester? It's, it's the country, yeah? Yeah, so it's a beautiful little, beautiful little dairy farming community up on the mid-north coast. So it's about an hour and a half north of Newcastle, and that's who I eventually played a lot of my junior basketball yeah. with, was Newcastle and Lake Macquarie. But yeah, it's literally kind of one road in off of the main highway. You duck off 50 minutes from the, the Pacific Highway and there's this beautiful country town, the foot of the mountains, you know, the, the rivers, everyone goes kayaking. But it's one of those towns that when you're growing up, you're like, how boring is this town? Yeah, I was then, like that. <laughs> yeah, and then you get to my age and you're like, how beautiful is that town? I'll go back there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be raised anywhere else. And, and the idea of ever returning there for Maggie and Bonnie to go through the school system I'd do it in a heartbeat. How were you at school? No good. No yeah, good. No. You, you wouldn't have been trouble. Just no, no trouble. I just didn't apply myself. I yeah. loved sport. Like my whole days revolved around the mates, and then getting to recess or getting to lunch, and then just playing sport the whole time. Or when's the next school games for rugby league, carnivals, yeah. school carnivals, um, swimming. So yeah, I, I loved the mateship of it, but academically, I'd. Really went hard at it in primary school. Yeah. And then the second I got to high school, I'm like, oh, this, I'll just have some fun. You mentioned rugby league. Uh, how good were you at rugby league? Like, you're, you're a good size um, to be a rugby league player, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. on the NBL court, on the basketball court, you obviously got people around you that are a fair bit <laughs> Giants, bigger. Yeah. But in the N- M- NRL sort of situation, you'd be, a, you'd be a reasonable size. And you, at one stage, contemplated binning... Basketball and, and heading to NRL, is that yeah, right? Yeah, so actually I got sick of the travel. So as a 15-year-old, all of my friends in Gloucester, when I say all, literally in year six for my primary school, we had five boys and one girl. Yeah, okay. so <laughs> oh, that poor they girl. All said, yeah. <laughs> Who was the lucky one to have a girlfriend in year six? Shout out to Elizabeth Ganley, how are you? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so by the time I got to high school, obviously those bigger numbers, but everyone quit basketball yeah. uh, and didn't want to travel anymore for that so they could stay and play rugby league. Whereas I pursued basketball, mum and dad knew I loved it. So yeah. dad, you know, mum and dad had five kids in six years, so there's not a whole lot to do in Gloucester. No, no they were busy. <laughs> yeah. They were very busy. So what they said is because they knew I loved the game, if I wanted to continue playing it, dad will knock off work. So 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. He runs his own law firm. Mm-hmm. Knock off at 5 p.m., pick me up from home, drive me an hour and a half each way, Tuesdays and Thursdays for training, and then again down to Sydney, Newcastle, wherever it may be on the weekend for games. What I didn't realise at the time is the sacrifice that meant for the whole family because yeah. it meant, you know, two, three, four days a week. Mum was essentially single a single mother yeah. of four kids and those four siblings didn't get to see dad a few days. And it was actually me used to sit in the back of the old Tarago, fold the seats back and just sleep the whole time, yeah. you know, on the way to training, on the way home from training. And then after a year of doing that, it was me that turned to mum and dad and said, I'm sick of missing parties. I'm sick yeah. of being away from my friends. I'm going to quit basketball and go to rugby league. And it was incredible. They fully supported it. They went to all my rugby league games. I was genuinely enjoying rugby league. And then out of nowhere, got a call from a guy. And I've told this story before, but yeah, Rob Beveridge. Yeah. I hadn't met him before, but he was the New South Wales Institute of Sport coach at the time. And he said, if mum or dad are willing to drive you an hour to Raymond Terrace McDonald's, I'd love to meet with you and discuss basketball. Called dad, he knocked off work. Uh, you slept know, <laughs> in the Tarago. in the Tarago. There's no Maccas in Gloucester, so it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And anyone who knows Bevo, so literally sitting across from a guy who looks like Ronald McDonald, yeah. <laughs> he convinced me to quit rugby league on the spot. I had to call my coach then and there. Yeah. Quit rugby league and he gave me a scholarship um, for the New South Wales Institute of Sport, NSWIS. And he was the first person that ever asked me, you know, what do you want to do in basketball? Where do you see yourself in 10 mm. or 15 years? Prior to that, I played sport because I loved it. And then my goals were always really short term. We've got a game on the weekend. I want to win. What do I have to do? Yeah. You know, maybe there's a selection camp coming up in three weeks. What do I have to do? That was kind of the extent of it. For someone to say 15 years, I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. And he goes, well, if you could do anything in basketball, anything at all, what would it be? And just at that moment, all I could think about was the Olympics. Yeah. And my eldest brother and I taped every Dream Team game, every Boomers game yeah, from the Barcelona Olympics on the old VHS, replayed them over and over yeah. and over again. And when I watched the Olympics, I was obsessed with the Olympics. So when Bevo said that, I just threw it out there. 
never thinking as a possibility, almost expecting him to laugh at me. And instead he goes, all right, I think you can achieve it if you do this, 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 and this. Things go your way. You make some sacrifices. You work hard. And then he laid out this path of how I'm going to get there for me. And it included the scholarship. Then he's going to help me get a scholarship to the Australian Institute of yeah. Sport. And, you know, hopefully I can play for Australia, go to college or go straight to the NBA. And it's incredible looking back at it, how it tick, tick, tick of what he laid out for mm. me. And so, like I said, I'd normally sleep the whole way home. It was the first time I sat up front with dad in the car and we just went back and forth, kind yeah. of starry-eyed. Could not believe the things Bevo had said. And we're like, if even 50% of that comes to fruition, it's definitely worth pursuing. So then and there, dad... <laughs> Mum and dad made the commitment. Locked up earlier again. Started six. Sold the Trago, bought a caravan. (laughs) It's just, it's incredible the sacrifices they made. Yeah. And it's sad, but I I can't remember saying thank you all that often. It's almost like you expect them to do it like they're your prepaid taxi service, I guess. Uh, And now that I'm a dad, I know why he did it, but it doesn't mean it could have been easy. It's it's funny. I lived in um, Lake Tice Beach, a small town, similar Mm. similar to what you would have had. And uh, for Gippsland Power, our under-18 team, we were two and a half hours from training. And <laughs> I ended up going to boarding school, so I sort of skipped it a little yeah. bit. But you're right. You're like, just let you know, Dad, I've got to be in Morwell by, um, you know, <laughs> by five o'clock on Wednesday night. And Dad's like, mate, I'm in court till... Th-. I said, well, you've got to be quick, don't you? Like, yeah. come on, chop, chop. I've got to, go to, I've got to go to training. <laughs> he did it, Your Honour. Poor bastard's got 12 years. But anyway, <laughs> hey, so Rob Beveridge, do you reckon he, he promised the world to a lot of people? Or do you reckon he got you early and, and, and realised the, the talents and the sort of mental fortitude you he, had? He, he does say that he saw something in me that he yeah. thought was special. But no, I think he... Sometimes you just need to be given confidence or have someone else. Like if your mum or dad say something, yeah. maybe it's in one ear, yeah. the other. You could have the exact same message told, spoken to you or said to you from someone else and for whatever reason it just clicks. Yeah. Uh, and for me it just clicked. Um, and so Bevo said, yeah, he saw me at the national championships the year prior, was wondering where I was and then when he found out I would quit the sport, he said, oh, look, I'm going to try and get him back and I'm just, thank- I'm just forever grateful he made that phone call. Yeah. And just happy that, you know, for me, it was a sliding doors moment, but it was an easy one. It was a no-brainer. Do you reckon, and I know you're a modest person, and so you're probably going to sound like a bit of a dick, but could, could have you made it professionally in rugby league? Oh, I probably would have been an all-time great. Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan Thurston's. <laughs> who? Well, your uh, your wife, Britt, is cousins with yeah, Michael, Michael Morgan, Morgan. Who, who's a, obviously a Maroon and a, a superstar yeah. in the NRL. But No, look, I, was, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, the Newcastle Knights were our nearest team, so yeah. my best mate, he was quite a good rugby league player. So he actually Andrew Johns and those guys would have been humming. Yeah, oh, that, we'd go down out. all the time, sit on the hill, watch Joey and Matty, you know, yeah. Sergeant, you know, the, the Chief, all these guys yeah. are my heroes. Uh, but no, like I, I was enjoying it. I got offered to go and try out for one team and then never made, like never went to the tryout okay. because I'd quit by then. Oh. But no, nah, it was a, a long shot. And a, and, a good, and a good choice then. So you go to college, you go to a college in LA. Uh, how do you... Loyola Marymount. Yeah, there you go. Tell us about college basketball in America. We all watch it on, on TV. March Madness is something that's always crazy. What sort of college was it? And, and is it just frat parties? And Yeah, it's a, so it's a small Division One school. It's a Jesuit okay. college. And you know, What does I, that mean? Oh, it's Christian, I right, guess. Okay. Not, yeah, okay. Um, but Jesuits, yeah. It, a lot of the professors were priests, but right, they okay. got their doctorates and whatnot. Anyway, so when I got so when I was at the AIS, this is how it actually stemmed from. When I was at the AIS, we had all these players, you know, Andrew Bogut, Reese Carter, Aaron Bruce, a lot of players that have gone on to play for Australia, Alex Marriage, yeah, Maddie Knight. And so one day, you know, you walk into the common room and someone's got offered a scholarship to, you know, Georgia Tech. You yeah, know, of next course. day someone's been offered a job in the NBL. One day I get home and there's some mail <laughs> waiting for me and it's a DVD. And it's like, Dear Damien, we'd love to, you know, a few a scholarship to Loyola Marymount. I'd never heard of it, but it was yeah. in LA, so that ticked a box. So yeah. I wanted to go somewhere. Well, more. I had no idea until I Googled it and it said LA. So that's when I went with <laughs> the, 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 that college in LA. Yeah, exactly right. So I'm all excited. I'm like, yep, I'm going to go to college and I'm going in LA. Watch the DVD. That was literally how they recruited me. Didn't speak to anyone, just watched the DVD. Yeah. And then uh, I walked into the common room, loud and proud. And then I said, guys, uh, just want to let you know. <laughs> I'm going to go to Loyola Marymount. I've just been offered a scholarship. They're like, oh, yeah, we all got offered a scholarship. <laughs> but good for you. Good for you for taking it. So they literally got offered 12 players scholarships to LMU. Maddie and I, and I both said yes. And uh, off we went. But you're right. There's fraternity, sororities, the sports people, the, the most stunning campus you could dream of yeah. going to school at. But basketball, because there's no football team, basketball was the number one sport on campus. Okay. And you're talking like pre-parties were four hours before tip-off. 
and then the, the student section doesn't sit down for the whole game. They're singing, they're dancing. Yeah. And then there's the after party. Like it was just the most fun four years of my life. First and foremost, learn a lot about myself because you're living abroad. But then, yeah, I, I encourage all kids: don't go and sit on a bench earning minimum wage in the NBL. Yeah. Go to college, get a life experience, get a degree, because not everyone can play professional basketball, and, and it comes to an end unless you've got a bit of paper to fall back on if, if necessary. And if you hate it. Just come back. But. And I guess you're, you're 22 at the end of it anyway. So exactly you, you, right. you're not even anywhere near the peak of your, your performance. When it, when it comes to the NBA draft and that sort of stuff, well, firstly, sorry, did you play against any absolute megastars? We would have. Uh, Nate Robinson played in the NBA for a long time. Uh, Nate the Great, yeah. Nate the Great. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to think who we played. Well, Gonzaga was the biggest school yeah. in our conference. So Gonzaga's Adam Morrison played in the NBA yeah. for, for a number of years, won a championship with the Lakers. Can't think of who the biggest name would have been, but there's probably 30 hey, guys hey, in the NBA that yeah. you know, I played against at some stage. Were you anywhere near? Um, and I saw that you were you nominated for the NBA draft. I suppose were you, were you anywhere near NBA? I think I think it cost five hundred dollars, or at least did back then, to even nominate yourself. So I'm like, I'm saving the money. I know. Oh, so I'm thinking, <laughs> is that all? I'm going to start nominating. <laughs> I, like, oh, I know where going. This is going. So kept it in the back pocket, but. Maddie Knight had a really good college career. So after our freshman year or maybe our second year, sophomore year, he got offered a, con- a scholarship with Florida. And our Florida University went on to win two national t- titles, Al Horford, uh, Noah, like yeah. and Corey Brewer. They had a bunch of these incredible players and he would have played on that team. Yeah, Instead, right. he said no to that, stay with us at LMU. So... Yeah, it's but it's a four billion dollar weekend for the final four just yeah. TV rights. It's incredible. People live and breathe college sport and in particular basketball. So from getting better as a player, but then playing in a country where it's just at a next level, it was an incredible experience. Are you still any mates from college? Yeah. So when we played uh, the Denver Nuggets and yeah. Utah Jazz, I saw you strip uh, the Joker. I've seen that. I've seen <laughs> I that. One goal. Just trying to do something. Yeah, I've seen that. That looked pretty good. That's I enjoyed that. But no, I had uh, my former coaches. They flew in and we got to catch up. And then uh, a guy I roomed with for all four years, he was a teammate, John Ziri, flew out here for my wedding. Yeah. He flew in for both games in Denver and Utah, even though he lives in Phoenix. And then another teammate, a, a, sorry, oh, cool. another mate, he flew in for both games as well. So it was really good catching up with those guys because when you go back to seeing someone you haven't in 10 or 15 years, if you're anything like me, I act like I was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, you, so here you I am. slip back into being oh, a fool, don't you? Well into my 30s yeah. now. And then I hadn't seen them since we were college kids in our early 20s, you know, out partying and, and having a good time. And then we kind of looked at each other on the second night like, nah, we're done. We, can't, yes. we honestly can't do this again. Nah, unbelievable. So you, you come home from college. Did you go to the West Sydney Razorbacks first? Yeah. And I read that they were flat broke. Yeah. They, they were at the arse end out of their pants. And did, is it true that you guys, as a professional organisation, agreed to play players and coaches 120,000 total for the season? Is, so, that, is that right? Have I sugared that up? No. Well, what happened was, we yeah, so they were called the West Sydney Razorbacks my first year, and Bevo was the coach. That's why I yep. came back. I could have stayed at college one more year because I actually had an injury that ruled me out for a year. So Achilles? Uh, it, was my, it was my Achilles. Yeah. A complete rupture. Good research, mate. Uh, and then I know, I've only got half of one. So anyone that's done the Achilles, I realise, I know you're paying. How yeah, bad are they? Exactly. So I could have gone back for a fifth year, but academically I'd already graduated. And then when Bevo called and said, do you and Maddie want to come back and, and play for me in West Sydney? That's where most of my family lives now. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's a dream come true to play yep. professionally. And so the first year we'll call the West Sydney Razorbacks. After that first year, the Sydney Kings folded. So our owner, he thought, well, let's try and encapsulate the whole city, not yeah. just the western part, the western suburbs. So we changed our name to Sydney Spirit. Yeah, not the most intimidating name, but no. Sydney Spirit. <laughs> You've come from the Jesuit brothers <laughs> over in. <laughs> What's going on? Here? <laughs> and so after every big basket, our commentator would be like, "That's the spirit." Oh, like, oh no, flattening, mate. Flattening. But about a week before Christmas, we got an email from our owner saying, I'm sick of losing money. I've handed the license back to the league. I'm not paying you guys anymore. And we did. We sat around in a circle and the, the two American imports, they jumped on a plane the next day and, yeah. and went home. Which you understand, I reckon, oh, a little 100%. bit because they're obviously usually the, the money makers for the clubs that they're at. Yeah, and they've got other jobs they can yeah. go to that you, know, you can't expect that. But then the NBL said, yeah, we'll give you some money to divide between us. But to be honest, the only money we really made was you know, maybe 200 people attended our games yeah. at best. And so we decided we'll share the gate takings by all players and coaches. So you'd walk out on court, there'd be 200 people in the stands. You'd say, 
thanks mum and dad for your 20 dollars <laughs> we're going to divide it by you know 15 of us or whatever they've, so, they've driven the six hours to get there and <laughs> exactly watch it right. they've got the tarago dad's exactly knocked off right. work and you've still snipped him for 20 Mom's on entry in the back <laughs> just folded the seats down but it was incredible because it was the best thing that ever happened to me i racked up debt you know yeah. you know it was crazy you know credit card bills were, yeah, were maxing yeah, yeah. out the nbl did what they could but they weren't in a great financial position no. either so between the ownership group you know folding and the nbl doing what they can but not having a great lump sum to help us out with yeah, it was crazy, but it meant I was off contract. It also meant Bevo no longer had a contract. So he yeah. got offered the job here in Perth, took it, and then brought myself and a couple of the other players out west. And best thing that's ever happened to me on and off the court. Did you know much about Perth? And when you came over, was it like Bevo's bringing some boom recruits or was it like Bevo's bringing his boys? We No, we did. Even though we didn't make the finals or we might have bowed out early, yeah. like we were the young team that, you know, Matty Knight was runner-up MVP, you know, the second year. Julian yeah. Kazoo was an up-and-comer. So we had a lot of young talent. And so when we were recruited here, it was the new coach bringing some of his players. Okay. But it was more about who, you know, we've got Sean Redditch. He was the go-to man. Yeah. Who's our import's going to be. But I didn't know anything outside of the airport, the drive from the airport to the Novotel Hotel where we stayed, yeah. drive from the hotel to Challenge Stadium where we played and kind of everywhere in between. And so when I landed, my cousins from Rockingham, who I hadn't seen in, you know, 10 or 15 years, yeah. they said, oh, we'll pick you up from the airport. So nervous moving into state by myself, coming down the escalators at Perth Airport, I see these three big burly boys with tattoos and beards. <laughs> Girl with dreadlocks, and they're like, Marto, wear your cousins and here's your Dockers jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? So I didn't know a thing about footy. It's yeah, all rugby league. Even to this day, it's two posts, not four in Gloucester. Yeah. And so they said, we'll give you a tour of Perth. And so we're driving, and we're driving kind of through the city, and they, and they point up, and they say, oh, that's Kings Park up there. It's pretty nice. We'll take you there another day. No one tour spot in WA, but yeah. yeah, we'll take you there another day. <laughs> Start driving down you know, Mounts Bay Road and then Stirling Highway, and they're like, oh, Cottesloe Beach is a couple of kilometres to the west. Pretty nice. We'll take you there another day. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the number one beach in WA. In anyway, the one and only place they stopped on this tour of Perth was the Railway Hotel in North Fremantle because they looked <laughs> yeah. at the time and it was cheap beers and skimpies, skimpies at that time. Are down yeah. there, aren't so they? Yeah. That was my introduction yeah. to, to Perth, thanks to my, my cousins. Someone told me that there was skimpies down there. Oh, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really know too much about <laughs> it. But so you've um, you've started playing for the Wildcats. Is that when everything took off? Like when did you become? So you've won. Six defensive players of the year, which is incredible. And if you're a football lover, it's it's not an award that that's scoffed at in basketball. It's a really it's a award that you're so proud to have won. There's not even one in the AFL. I think there, there absolutely should be. When did you did your game go from I'm targeting defensive player of the year award as opposed to I'm targeting you know scoring targets? Yeah, no, I never had a goal of winning that award, but I did have a lot of defensive. Goals, but yep. more so about personnel and people. Yeah, of course. And I was like, he's not going to do that or I don't want him to be able to do that. And just kind of, oh, and I have to pick up full court. So it just became a non-negotiable with Bevo. Yep. You're going to pick up full court when you're exhausted. I'm going to sub you off and Brad Robbins is going to pick up full court. <laughs> yeah. And so they used to call us the, the Bash Brothers, yeah. like the guys on the ice hockey, because literally all we did was pick up full court. And the only goal was to try and make it hell for the opposition player, send them to their weaknesses, sub yourself out when you're exhausted. Yeah. And then the other person will do it. And I guess you just got, I just got used to that. You know, mindset of I'll pick up full court, do whatever I, I can to yeah. try and make the night hell for the opposition. And, and then that started resulting in some awards. But, yeah, not once. To, and don't get me wrong, the best awards you can get, as you know, are those voted on by your peers. Yeah, 100%. So to be able to win that that's voted on by captains and, and players from other teams, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. But the next season rolled around, I didn't ever write it down, but I was grateful every time my name got read out, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were uh, the finals MVP as well in a, in a playoff a playoff run and the six championships, where, where do they sit? We, you guys, Perth Wildcats have been incredible and I, obviously coming from Victoria, I don't really, we didn't really appreciate the Perth Wildcats and it might have been the same as you but the, the finals run is unbelievable. The best in the world or whatever that stat is but the championships, is it, and I was lucky enough to be at Hawthorne where we thought we were going to win the flag absolutely every year. Yeah, yeah. Is it something that's inbuilt in Perth Wildcats that it's just an assumption that with your hard work and your effort and team building, you're going to be the best team in the competition? There is. It is instilled and it was instilled by our owner, Jack Bendat. So yeah. literally the first time I ever met him, he held up number one, you know, one thing and said, we've got to be number one. And I kind of chuckled and then everyone was like, no, he's dead serious. <laughs> like, yeah. The standard is set. <laughs> and if you're a part of that team that ends that street yeah. finals appearances... You're done. But they're, a couple of times house. it's looked reasonably hairy oh, with injuries yeah. and you've gone on to win titles yeah. from positions where I thought, oh, they're cooked. The year we brought in Bryce Cotton, we had to win the last six games of the year just to qualify for finals. And the last weekend was a doublehead of Melbourne-Sydney. Had to win both of those just to make and it. And they, the they would have been top two. They now. were very good. Melbourne yeah. in particular at the time. So 
to be able to just get to the finals was one thing, but then by then having won six in a row, the momentum was with us, the confidence. But you do, you, you come here and there's a difference between confidence that's earned yeah. and arrogance. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen and played alongside or against a lot of arrogant players and you're like, I don't care how good you think you are, you haven't put in the work to deserve yeah. you know, the I reckon basketball from the yourself. outside, there's a fraction, and I love watching the NBA, so mate, there's a little bit more of the arrogance about and the strut and the <laughs> swag than, than what we're used to in Australia. And I think when the imports roll in and, and it doesn't go their way, you think, gee whiz, I'd lose that swag pretty yeah, quickly. And, and sometimes it was frustrating dealing with different players yeah. because yeah, confidence needs to be earned from knowing you've done the work on the court. And we'd see guys that will go through slumps and they're not doing extra work on court. Yeah. Instead, they're just shoulder slumped over and you know, me. it'll all change by next week. But no, yeah, put, point the finger of blame at yourself, but yeah. how can I get out of this? And so I'm a big believer you play your best when you're mentally switched on, you're fit, you're healthy and you're confident. You know, the, only one of those is an actual skill set. The rest is above your shoulders. Yeah. And so that's the, the stuff that each player would push others to get better at. And, and Sean Redditch, he was huge for me in my career because when I came from Perth, I was like, I'm a professional athlete. That's, you know, I get paid to do it. It's my yeah. professional, I'm a professional athlete. There's a huge difference between being a professional athlete and an elite athlete. And Sean was the epitome yeah. of that. And it's just all those cliche 1%. And well, to used. be honest, I was probably in the professional athlete. <laughs> no, I probably was. Yeah, to yeah. be honest with you, I probably was. And yeah. the players, because uh, footy, there's so many more, the players who got the most out of themselves who probably mm. didn't have the skill, you're like, you, the shit you do is elite. Like that yeah. is. And, and before you know it, the horse is bolted. And you're like, Shit, yeah. I need to do what you were doing. Because I remember Matt Rosa, who played at West Coast, used to go to the beach every morning. Yeah. 6am, in the drink, every morning. Rain, hail, shine, wind, water. I did that for about four months with him. And in the end, we had one day full of lightning and stuff. I said, Rose, this shit ain't for me anymore. Like, I'm out. But you're right. Like, it's, it, it, there's that it, difference it between is. doing what others aren't doing. And I, I, I imagine you would have really driven that well, boat as well. Because I saw Sean do it, and it was. It was, you know, got to weights early, lifted heavily. You know, got to shooting early, worked on his game before training, worked on his game after training. Mm -hmm. But then it was ice bar, stretching, yeah. visualisation, sports psychology, diet was impeccable. And he did it every day, not just when media were there, not just after a loss, yeah. just before finals, every single day. And because he was our best player and he did it every day, it just became a no-brainer that I've got to do it, yeah. you've got to do it. And three or four guys would start doing it and then five or six to the point where now it's an expectation that if you sign with the Wildcats, you're going to do all of these other things. So that now it's just the norm when you get to my age. But the younger guys, they're the ones that are like, oh, wow, do we have to do that? Like, yeah, yeah, you do. So professionally, you get paid to do it. Elite, you're doing whatever it takes to get the of utmost course. out of your ability. And, and Sean was brilliant at that. Mark Lacroix um, from West Coast was an incredible footballer. But he came up with some bullshit that he was allergic to freezing water. And he did get puffy. <laughs> he did get puffy. I don't know what happened. He got puffy in cold water. And they're the like... The person to swell up in cold water. No more ice baths. He, honestly, he'd go blue. He'd get, he'd get puffy. And he said he had some allergic reaction to ice baths. And everyone was like... Uh, well, yep, all right, then no more ice baths. But um, <laughs> last one around the, the six and six, and it's a hard question, and I've asked Hodgie and Mitch and those sort of guys in the footy terms that won four. Mm -hmm. Is there a championship that you can identify that, that, that sort of sits the best with you? And it might be through you only played half the year or you, you were injured or you, you in the playoffs you were against the, the league's best player and you beat him. Is there one of your six that you go, that really sits nice with me? Yeah, the first one was the most fun. Yeah. Just because it was so tight, the competition. We are all young as our first year in Perth. So that was the most fun and just enjoyed it accordingly. When we had James Ennis, there was so much okay. pressure because we won the pre-season tournament. We yeah. started the year 12-1, and one, uh, you know, minor premiers. He was the best player, most dominant player in the league. But there's an expectation, oh, it's going to be easy, you're going to win it. Yeah. So as captain at the time, I, I felt the pressure that we almost had to do it, otherwise we're going to be complete failures. And so when we won that and the siren went, it was almost a combination of, yeah, joy, but also relief. Yeah. Um, but probably my most favourite is the one where literally the first thing a reporter told me on court after we won the championship, the confetti's still falling, was how does it feel holding a championship trophy today when you would have woken up Christmas morning dead last on the ladder? Yeah. And the, so that yeah. was a big turnaround and just everything that I spoke about, you know, winning the last six games. Mm. The buy-in from everyone. There was Bryce. no finger pointing. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> the buy-in, Bryce. Uh, turning around, Bryce. Yeah. Uh, just that one. That one is forever going to be special. And then, you know, Greg Hire being able to send him out a winner. He'd already told us he was going to retire. Yeah. So each one has special reasons behind it, but the Bryce Cotton one. I'm, go with that. I'm glad. Yeah, the Bryce Cotton <laughs> one. I, I'm glad you did mention uh, Greg Hire because he seemed like one of those guys that you two were, were obviously super close mates and... Uh, you mentioned off recording that you two had a good night last night and you, you're looking about as pale as I am today. <laughs> you, you were pretty pissed last night. But, um, mate, is it true that one day for a game, I think it might have been, you forgot your socks and you tied jocks around your feet? 
to make socks to save blisters, you you put your jocks I'm, over your feet? I'm an ideas man, yeah. I was a nervous wreck. I was playing in Germany and I would have been 17 at the time Yeah, with an Australian team. Bevo was the coach <laughs> of that one. And we're on their way to training and guys are starting to get ready in the back of the bus and I'm like, oh no, I've only brought one sock. I kept going through my bag. Oh, but I've got a spare pair of jocks and I didn't want to bring any attention to myself. Yeah. And so I just quickly tied it on, taped it to my foot, put my shoe on. We trained, everything was fine. I forgot about it until we're sitting <laughs> courtside. <laughs> take them on, and then sitting courtside after training, I take off one shoe and sock, and then I take off the other shoe, and then some of the players are like, "Mate, are they your tidy whities Like, what is going on there?" And so yeah, they caught me. They they busted me wearing the old undies. Uh, and he's he's also mentioned another one, Greg. I've obviously texted him. Did you one day try and purchase a skill tester? <laughs> and, why, and what is a skill tester? <laughs> the best thing I've ever bought. That's what that is. <laughs> okay. So Greg, he, when he first bought a house, he had this garage and like everyone, he's like, it's going to be a man cave. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. And he literally Googled man cave auctions and it turns out there is one every year in Perth. Oh, right. Beautiful. And so it happened to be about two weeks later. And so I'm down at the beach with Brittany and then Greg calls me and goes, mate, the man cave auction starts in an hour. Can you come on, come and support me? And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Lock it in. So, and then you know, his wife came down and hung out with Brittany at the beach while the two boys went up to this auction. And so we're sitting there. He's got a paddle. I don't. We've gone through all the arcade games. But you know the big skill testers where it's got the huge claw. It goes down, picks up oh, a teddy yes, or yes. picks up a toy. And there might be an iPhone in there. Or yeah, fans. but these ones yeah. are huge. This one, there's yeah. only six in WA this big. Okay. It's two metres by two Sounds metres. Sounds like a good buy to me. No brainer. And so we're auctioning these things and a lot of them had reserve prices. So the arcade games are literally getting to and the pinball machines. How do it. I not know about this? We're sitting oh. in a little bar I've got in my house. Like, we really should have some stuff. You need a skill tester in here. But oh. it was amazing. So they're doing all these things, gets to 2,000, have them at reserve, will pass. Others yeah. were getting to three or four, sold. It gets to this next item. So we've done all the pinball machines, all the arcade machines. Half the people are leaving by then. And they wheel out this skill tester, two metres by two metres, still full of toys. Huge claw. Oh, yeah. And he goes, all right, they're valued at about $8,000. Let's start at six. 6,000, no bids, 5,000, 4,000. He goes, there's no reserve on this, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go to the other end. We'll start at $100. Yeah. And I'm looking around, not one person's making a bid. So I've grabbed Greg's paddle, boom, $100 going once, going twice, sold. And I'm like, oh, what, what have I done? So I've called Brittany and Britain Ains have come up. I've said, just think of what would be the most inappropriate thing to have bought. And, and I'll tell you if it's that. Yeah. And looking around like that, that big thing in the corner. <laughs> so it cost me more to, to yes. get it home. And I wasn't, it was too big for my house. So I had to put it in my carport. So for about two years, I couldn't park undercover. I parked out the front <laughs> and there's this big skill tested that it was that big that um, we had one Christmas party. And Steph Wagstaff, Jesse Wagstaff's wife, you know, she decided to get in there. She's she went, like the kid. That she went chasing her. Yeah. <laughs> Put my dog in there so many times. Went yeah. and chased Petey around while he's running around. Yes. Eventually I had to sell it. And I can honestly say it's one of the biggest regrets. Was ever oh, getting rid of no, it. I can't believe you sold yeah. it. That'd be awesome. Well, we'd had the the um, the hail shower. Remember yes, that? Yeah, the, the big, big one. Storm. Yeah. And Brit's like, you got to start parking underneath. Yes. <laughs> like, something's got to do. you got to move that skill tester. And yeah, lo and behold, put it on Gumtree. It's gone. <sighs> but what did you get? Did you get your 100 back? Yeah, so I donated all the toys to yeah. hospital. They like took it, but then they yeah. probably threw it out because they would have been remnants of D my dog dogs and stuff and, like that. Uh, drunk people did swinging in it. Yeah. yeah, sold it empty. I think for about six or seven hundred dollars. Oh, profit! Yeah. Made a profit. Had some laughs in the time. Yeah, good. So talking about natural disasters um, and, and hailstorms, I reckon I put you on the map one day when you you text me um, something. You, you got a death threat actually on Instagram. Mm. I don't even remember this. You got a death threat. Uh, and then we're talking about that, and then in between you telling me about a death threat, you told me that you've actually just dra you've you've seen a fire and um put some got someone out of a fire. Now I got on air the next morning, <laughs> and I went with breaking news, full blown breaking news. Damien Martin was driving. You went down to get some fish and chips with yeah, the family or something, and, chips, yeah. and I said you've spotted a fire. You broke through the door. You went up levels, <laughs> and you've dragged out a guy who was unconscious at the time, and. And rescued him and performed, and performed um, you know, the, the, the CPR. <laughs> da, 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 da. And all the news outlets went with it. Hey, roll with it. Damien Martin oh, saves man from burning I fire. I felt so bad because I'm like, I can either just roll with it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I'm going to have to clear this up. And what but, did you do? You banged on the door and woke him up or something. Is so that, we played the Sydney Kings. And you played, you hit a three-pointer at the end. To put and us that in was overtime. The, and that was the death won. threat. So this guy's had money on the game. That's right. I mean, of all the... I it was I my burner, it was I my burner yeah, account, exactly you prick. <laughs> Ex-Ellis. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, of all the... Yeah, didn't hit many threes, but of all the ones I've hit, it's cost this guy however much money he's put on the game. 
And yeah, he's just going at it, threatening my life, my mother's life, so on and so mm. forth. So yeah, that's when I sent you a screenshot saying, have a look at this goose. Yeah. And then, yeah, went and picked up fish and chips. And as I'm driving out, yeah, I saw smoke. And I was like, oh, that's new because the smoke wasn't that yeah. high. And so I drove up there and just started yelling to see if anyone's in the house. This guy came out. He's like, what's going on? I was like, your house is on fire, <laughs> mate. What do you mean? What's going on? So we've grabbed hoses, trying to get it yeah. on the roof and whatnot. And then he went around the back. I've jumped down and I can just see this dog. But this dog, literally I'd gone from playing defense for 40 minutes on Casper Ware and Kevin Lish, I think. That's right. To then trying to guard this dog because he was trying to go back in the house. And then I just saw his computer and stuff. So I just ripped that out. So, it, so you saved his, his dog and computer and I've done the whole thing. You've actually, yeah, I did. you've actually saved a man's there life. No CPR. We saw you on no. paramedics on that oh. TV show. Okay, cleared that up. Um, one, another one I've got here, mate. Uh, let's talk about your broken jaw. Um, Cochrane... From is that if that's the name right? Conklin. Conkl I call him Cochrane. Jeez. <laughs> right, that was my first error because there's a story behind it. After he broke your jaw, mm -hmm. you obviously remember it was in Townsville. Yeah. And yeah. then you came back and then they came to Perth we to play coincidentally. Two later in Perth, yeah. I had Chance Bateman's wedding the day after that mm -hmm. game. And so in town with Sean Burgoyne, Jared Roughhead, yeah. uh, their wives, all that sort of stuff, and we were boozed well up. On the source. Well and truly done. And I was like, I've, I'll get some tickets to the Wildcats tonight if you want to go. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yep, bang, let's go to the Wildcats. And it was obviously all over the media and your face was munted. Yeah. So as soon as he touched, I'm sitting there and I, I was, yeah, not glorifying, I was pissed. <laughs> and Cochran. <laughs> Conklin. Got the ball and I yelled out, you're a dog, Cochran! <laughs> At the top of my lungs, like you're a dog. Anyway, because the crowd was getting into it as yeah. well. You were probably still in hospital. And... Um, these people in front of us um, turned around and I was like, oh, they're enjoying me razzing up. I'm, I'm going to call him Cochlin because he's a cop. Uh, um, they're enjoying me razzing up. And he gets the ball again. You're a dog, Cochlin! <laughs> they turn around and go, is this going to happen all night, champ? And I said, well, it depends if he has a big night or not, I suppose. <laughs> they're like, oh, and there was a player called Maynard yeah, yeah, on that Maynard, team. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my grandson is, grandson or nephew, whatever it was, is um, Maynard on, on, on the court. Yeah. Uh, we he played he, for Collingwood. Yeah, we went to let's switch codes. Melbourne, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah Melbourne. And I think his brother plays at Collingwood. Yeah. And he's um, he goes, look, we're here. We don't get to see him play too often, and uh, we'd really <laughs> prefer you to stop yelling out that uh, Con Conklin's a dog. And I said, right, no worries. Maynard gets the ball. You're a dog, Maynard. <laughs> anyway, they laughed and laughed, and of course, I stopped doing it. I, I shouldn't have done uh, it to start with. Um, but the jaw that was as brutal mm. mouthpiece as I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so I broke it that night and then it just wouldn't stop wouldn't stop uh, bleeding. There's nothing I could do to stop the bleeding. So I've, I'm still in my dirty clothes, uniform. I'm still holding this you know, bandage to my mouth the whole night. And anyway, I've gone, they've got me on the first flight out, 6 a.m. flight. So I barely slept that night, still holding this towel, still smelling. And then I get to the airport and for whatever reason, <laughs> I'm still bleeding, I smell. I see Pete Murray, the singer. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Great, a great album 15 oh. years ago, whatever it was. Great <laughs> exactly album. Right. But I met him very, very, very <laughs> briefly about two years prior at a an alcohol-free event where I was up there with Scotty Cummings, Liesl Jones, yeah. you know, a few, few different sports people. And we'd gone to a pub prior to it, so, you know, we're having a bit of fun. And I've put Liesl Jones on my shoulders at this <laughs> concert and he's like, oh, Lisa Jones, how are you? And, and whoever you are, good on you, mate. Like, so whatever, maybe it's because I was on painkillers. I see Pete Murray and I walk up to him. I can't talk. I've got yeah. teeth, teeth everywhere. Oh, mate, the, the photo's <laughs> munted. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I go, excuse me, Mr. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Damien. We met you know, two years ago. I've seen him like Mike Tyson. I mean, he was good enough. Took a photo oh. with him and, and off we went. But then when I got home, I went straight to hospital, had surgery that day. And then the following day was game day against the Townsville. They yeah. Crocs, they'd flown in. And I had to go then get three root canals put in. And the club had already said, mate, you're not allowed to come to the game. I said, well, I've got to drop off tickets anyway. Yeah. So Britt, my wife drove me in. I went into the locker room, dropped off my tickets. I turned the corner two hours before tip-off. And lo and behold, the first person I see is Brian Conklin. Oh, their no. team has just arrived. Now, I am high as a kite on painkillers. Yeah. I can't feel the side of my face. I'm numb. And he's like, oh, hey, mate, how are you? What's he like as a bloke, honestly? Yeah, everyone I know that knows him says he's a good guy. Okay. But anyway, so he's like, hey, mate, how are you? <laughs> and he must have thought he gave me brain damage because I'm like, 
Yeah, not too bad, but I'm dribbling everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's just slobber everywhere. I'm dribbling. Half my face is, yeah. is dropped. So, uh, yeah, that was the last time I think I've seen him. I spoke to him, but that, and that game was the one you yeah, called him a dog. And to top it off that night, um, so Jared Ruffhead has a connection. Oh, with Trevor Gleeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor Gleeson worked at Hawthorne. Of course, Of yeah. course, yeah. Um, anyway, so you know Sean Bergwin and, mm-hmm. and Ruffy and those sort of guys. And I was full nuff mode that night. I had one of those giant hands on, yeah. you know, the supporters' hands, like Wildcats number one. Yeah. Had a jumper on and everything. Anyway, um, Trevor had organised a wave for Ruffy and, um, and Shawnee and us to go down because uh, mm-hmm. Trevor was there with his year off before he came to, to Perth to come down to the change rooms post-game. Yeah. So I'm, Ruffy goes, Sean Burgoyne goes. Was Cyril there? Maybe Cyril was there as well. Like, Cyril goes... And then I go, I've just had a shoulder Rico. Security grabbed me, pinned my arm up like I was a Nuffy support, like a full trying Nuffy wildcat. Trying to follow the boys. Trying to follow the boys. And the boys are turning and going, let go. He's just had his shoulder done. And like the wife's like, let him go. Security's got me like pinned oh. up. And I was like, oh, mate, please put it down. <laughs> I know I'm fat and I know I'm shit, but a bit more respect than that in front of an empty oh, crowd. Oh, oh, Christ, that was, that was hilarious. They did not let me live that down. Hey, uh, USA, now I've got a little piece here on my, uh, I want to play to you, and I'm going to ask you about this moment. Fadeaway jump shot, 10 points for David Anderson. Lead is back to five. Australia could really go in here. A steal from Martin. Brilliant defending on Durant. How many times have you watched stealing the ball <laughs> off Kevin Durant in your life? Oh, it's on my phone right now. Do you want to watch yeah. it? <laughs> no, I, I never do, but the funniest thing about that was we blew a chance. We were down one point yeah. you know, with a couple of minutes to go and they ended up getting it to nine or ten, but we really missed an opportunity, we thought. So by the time we got in the locker room, we're livid. You know, we're mad at our, ourselves for how we closed out the game. And so everyone's in a bad mood, but my wife at the time was 38 weeks pregnant. Yeah. And I checked my phone. I've got all these missed calls from her and I'm like, she's gone into labour. Yeah. And so literally, like, as Andre's kind of walking into the locker, our coach to address the team, I'm walking out. I was like, mate, I've got to make a call. And he knew why, so it was totally yeah. fine. So I've ducked away, called Brittany. I'm like, is everything okay? Are you in the hospital? He goes, no, I'm really sorry, but it's 3 a.m. back in Perth at yeah. that stage. I'm really sorry I got caught up in the moment and when you stole it off Kevin Durant, <laughs> I, tweet, I tweeted him, ha ha, my husband just stole the ball off you. Yeah. First of all, it's the worst trash talk anyone's yeah, ever received. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think KD <laughs> lost any sleep over it. He would never have even read it, but she just got so oh. caught up in the moment she wanted to call and apologise. Uh, and then I think they yeah, interviewed her the next day for the West. Yeah, no, nah, brilliant. But like, the best thing about... You know, you went to the Olympics in 2016 and, and, and playing for Australia. You've come across USA. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, like I sit there and watch, when you come into radio each morning, usually I have the basketball on my yeah. laptop and, <laughs> a, and a multi or something on it. I'm like, this bastard can't shoot anymore. And we talk. Sending and, Instagram death threats. Yeah. Like, um, what's it like when, you, what are they like? It's and of course, you go against, for example, Spain, they've got mega stars. France have got mega stars. Like, we, it's not just America. No, it, it is. You're exactly right. Every country now has a bunch of NBA players. So the worst I've ever been dunked on was by Pau Gasol. Yeah, right. So we're, we're playing Spain in Spain years earlier, and somehow I've got switched onto him. He's just pinned me under the basket. And so knowing you, you're like, oh, I reckon I can still get this. I got this. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I jumped. I went for it. So we're under the ring. He's pinned me. He's grabbed the ball, turned, dunked on me, and won because I've tried to block him, got to about his you know, elbow. Um, so I'll never forget that. But it's kind of the, the body size, yeah. to be honest, just... The, the wingspan into the athleticism, the warm-ups are the best. The, yeah. Their chests are an extra four or five inches bigger than you know anyone else. Like, just the players. Uh, it, was, it was amazing just watching warm-up. But what you do is you get together and you're like, don't be caught up in all that. Because we've got eight NBA guys in it. They're like, for the guys that yeah. aren't in the NBA. What are our NBA guys like? Yeah, good. good um, they're just at a different level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't talk about the money and you don't ask about the money. <laughs> but there's a lot of money. I mean, if Ben Simmons at the table, I ain't paying for that coffee. <laughs> well, one of the funnest things we actually did, so Andrew Bow is one of the leaders on the team and he yeah. and I go back to 17-year-old kids living in Canberra together and I learned a lot about mental toughness and resilience yeah. from folks. Good fella? Yeah, love him. Okay, great. I mean, he, it's, he calls it how it is. He doesn't yeah. try to be someone he's not. Oh, he won't be holidaying in China or anything. No, holiday. not very popular <laughs> in China, that's for sure. But you know what? Drug cheat. Came no, out no, no, I, so I jumped on that bandwagon too. We got bombarded. <laughs> I think some of his teammates might have preferred he got on it after the boys returned from China. <laughs> yeah, but, of course. Nah, future problem. Anyway, so Bogues, we're sitting around a table. We're in uh, Brazil. Sorry, we're in Argentina. It's our last night in Argentina before we're going to fly into Brazil for the Olympics. And he goes, look, Argentina's renowned for its steaks. Let's go to a really nice restaurant, players only. It'll be good fun. So he's organised this restaurant. 
We get there. I collect my forty dollars per diem from Australia. <laughs> the manager, I'm like, I might need this. Anyway, so Bogues is ordering, you know, appetizers, mains, oh, desserts, and I'm thinking, okay, well, my forty dollars isn't going to cover and this. I, and you're you're an entree man. Aren't you? You'd rather four or five entrees yeah, as opposed like to a main. Bit of everything. Yeah, just a bit of everything. And so it's just a great night, and we're just having you know a lot of banter. But at the end of the night, I'm thinking, oh, there's my 40. What else do I need to cover? And yeah. Bogues like, no, no, no. This is a game we played at the Warriors. It's oh, called yeah. credit card rule there. Yes. Pass the hat around. All of us had to put our credit card in. You put in a uh, FPOS card you bought from Woolworths <laughs> before you left for <laughs> exactly those travel right. cards. Uh, up and go, whatever it's called. <laughs> but <laughs> the waitress came over and he's pulling out these credit cards. Yeah. Last one has to foot the whole bill. Yeah. I, I honestly say I've never been more nervous in oh, all man. my what, what life. What are we talking about? Like thousands. It was yeah, up to thousands, thousands by then. Thousands, I'm yeah. thinking one, my credit card won't swipe. It'll laugh at me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be so embarrassed if this bounces. It'll jump out of the machine. Go, <laughs> exactly. Come on, fool. Who are you trying to kid? Oh, but yeah, so one by I better one. ring my wife on my prepaid phone. <laughs> Brett, you know, how's the pregnancy? Good. I need to transfer $4,600. Uh, and yeah, I think, I oh, not think, I know. I remember it vividly. Yeah. I'm the number six person. And I'm like, thank good. Oh, man. And it was Chris Goulding. Chris Goulding had yes, to pay okay. the whole, whole bill that first time. What if he worn that as a bit of a, a medal of honour, Chris Goulding? Like in terms, he, he loves a bit of that sort of stuff. Well, he, he paid it, and this was the most expensive one we yeah. had. He paid it, and then the rule in the Warriors is you then uh, miss out on the next then three. You're not in, you don't yeah, have yeah. to even put your credit yeah. card in. For whatever reason, he's put his credit card oh, no, in. Gone, he got yeah. back to back. <laughs> <laughs> he got back to back. At least he's won one title. Oh, I could not believe it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Bogey didn't square up with him after? No. Oh, look, the one thing that wouldn't surprise me is if they did. did. did yeah. And for example, our last night, we've just lost the bronze medal game. We're in a bad mood. Yeah. Pouring down rain, we're like, we're not going to go to the closing ceremony because we're the only sport that plays on game one and on day one yeah, and on the, the last through. day. Yeah. So while everyone's partying out the front of our apartments for last week, you know, we're still going to bed at eight o'clock, switched yeah. on, focused. And so we're like, we haven't had any time to enjoy ourselves. Do you guys just want to we'll get together with our family and friends that mm. have made the effort to come here for dinner and then we'll just go out on our own. And so we did, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Paddy and Bogues and those guys put the whole bill. Find it away, like, yeah. I can't remember ever being asked to bring my wallet out. And those guys go above and beyond. Matty Nielsen used to do it. Dave Anderson always yeah. did it. So they were those guys that they never spoke about it or you know, yeah. pretended they were better than you because they had money, but there were times where they just put the card out. It's always been the case at uh, footy clubs too where you get your chest out as a youngster and mm -hmm. you're thinking... I've got this. Honestly, <laughs> I'll be I'll be trying to sell myself on the corner tonight. I'll, I'll honestly be working for fifty dollars a kiss yeah. or something on the corner. But then always you'd pay and Hodgie or Crawford. Yeah. yeah, one of the old boys would go oh, here, mate. Here's yeah. Yeah, a few hundred to get you going or something. Yeah, always, <laughs> and you're like, they would never do that in front of yeah. the teammates. Never, so you've got the credit of, of paying your debts or whatever. But they'd always square you off and make sure everyone was okay, mate. I won't keep you much longer because I know you got a, a night out on the town. Those US boys, well, the NBA stars, that you they all you said different and don't talk about the money and that sort of stuff. What are your relationships? like? Do they let you in a little bit? Or? Yeah, no, they're great. Like, Paddy Mills, I've reached out to a few times for different things and he'll get back to. Joe was great, Joe Ingles. Yeah. Like when the, the Wildcats boys flew over there to play the Jazz, he and Dante Exum hosted us for dinner at Joe's house the next night yeah, nice. and put on a big spread. So, no, they do go above and beyond, but it's, it's funny when we played the US team. One of my favourite stories... Uh, from it gets passed down from team to team. Yeah, great. It was the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, and I think I've told you this one before, but the Beijing Olympics, the, the players, Aussies are playing the US in the quarterfinals, win and you advance to the grand final, lose and you go home. Yeah, they got together and they thought every other nation gives the Americans way too much respect. They've lost the mental edge before the balls ain't been tipped yeah. off. Yeah, which, which you do like you, the good. Yeah, team, it would be a Perth Wildcats thing as well for teams. They like they break a you, lot of teams. You, you do. The you game break. Started. Yeah, and so the starting five got together. And they came up with this idea that they thought was brilliant. At the beginning of the game, when you walk out, instead of shaking hands and saying, I'm guarding Kobe Bryant, LeBron yeah. James, Dwayne Wade, so on and so forth, lean back, make it obvious, and say, I've got number six, I've got number eight, as <laughs> if we don't yeah. know who they are. And the starting five, they're like, yeah, this is brilliant. And sure enough, there's Mark Worthington. He was uh, guarding Kobe Bryant. And so Worthington goes, leans back, he goes, I've got number 10. <laughs> but then Kobe put his hands on his knees, looked over and started laughing, said, nice shoes, because Wordo was wearing Kobe Bryant shoes. shoes so, <laughs> it's hard to be disrespectful when he spent $200 on a pair of guys' shoes. So uh, we, I was conscious of that when we played them. Yeah. Don't wear my KDs. Don't wear my Durant. What did you? Well, I got a, I got a dog called Kevin, a, a a black lab after Kevin Durant, and it was either we had the choice of we didn't have a choice. It was either because I love my basketball and yeah, I pester yeah. you nonstop about it, 
and, and text you randomly when I'm pissed off at something. I'll be like, bullshit, this is what's this guy? Yeah, like? What's this guy? <laughs> Get rid of him. Anyway, the um, yeah, we got Kevin, who's a black lab, and if it was going to be Golden, it was going to be Larry Bird. So like, even M, <laughs> my wife, just absolutely loves loves the basketball. Now I've got a couple of quick ones for you. Who is the best and worst player you've ever played against? Now, I'm not saying worst, don't shit can mm-hmm. someone, but someone who maybe took you to the cleaners or would always get under your guard a little bit. I know you're saying, is it Machado? Was, oh, the, the one and only time I've spoken trash. He got up, yeah, and then you tried to fight back <laughs> and you made a fool of yourself. <laughs> so I never spoke trash, ever. There's no good at it, and this is probably why. So for whatever reason, maybe I'm just old and angry now, yeah. but the, every time someone shot it, you just yell, rebound, rebound. It happened to be me quite a few yeah. times. <laughs> and anyway, I shot this one and I'm sick of him saying rebound as in like it's going to miss. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. And I shot this three-pointer and as it's left the hands, I, I just felt good. And I hear him go rebound. And as it's in the air, I'm like, rebound that mother... <laughs> but it missed they rebound they went down and scored it was like Swaggy P in oh. the NBA who shoots and then does his little strut back I couldn't believe it so I've learned either don't do it or wait yeah. till it goes in yeah of <laughs> so, course yeah to miss the shot after the one and only time of trash talk so no as far as best look Bryce is the most good yeah. player I've had as a teammate at the Wildcats James Ennis was so dominant but he was six foot seven. Athletically, just, you know, yeah. no one else in the LeBron league James of the uh, NBA exactly right yeah. he's just at a different level physically and athletically, but as far as sheer skill goes, I can't remember anyone I've ever played with or against. You know, Paddy Mills comes to, comes to mind, but Bryce, time and time again, he's got two or three defenders on him and he still makes every clutch shot. Yeah. He still makes big threes. He still breaks someone off Sometimes the Sometimes he shoots on the way down, down and you're yeah. like, oh, well, that was a shit shot. And it goes, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, Bryce, it's a new style. I like it. Yeah. But no, Bryce will go down as one of the best players I've ever played alongside. Uh, and that's tough to say because, you know, Joe Ingles is absolute superstar. Yeah. Get his bane so why isn't Bryce, and I've, I've had this argument, we've got a WhatsApp group, which we're starting a basketball team and they've asked me, well, <laughs> will you, you'll play a game for us. At some oh, stage. yeah, once the kill is it's, it's, it's Division C or something. Wouldn't have it any other way. It'll be off the bench, but anyway, we'll squeeze you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, why is Bryce not in the NBA? He shoots it as well as, you obviously He's, can't say Steph Curry. 20 plus against Denver. Yeah, 20, I think, why not? Utah. He was going to the NBA. Like, yeah. all the hype was out of college. If he declared... Well, his college his, career was incredible. Incredible. Uh, Big East player yeah. of the year. Score, led the uh, conference twice in scoring. Like, he's got the resume to boot. It's like Jerome Randall, who played here for years. Jerome yeah. Randall's the only um, the conference he played in. Pac-10 or Pac-12, what it was called back yeah. then. The only ever Pac-12 player of the year to not go to the NBA. But he was that good. Yeah. Again, he, his agent kind of... Misjudged it, and he should. He could have got drafted, but he yeah, wanted to go undrafted. It. Yeah, just silly. So Bryce is skilled enough. If he was six foot three, I think I'd be a star, guaranteed but, starter in the NBA. But I still look at it, and obviously being a novice, like if it goes in, it goes in. It's like a he can play in the NBA. It's like a cricketer who. Um, yeah, they say, oh, he's a one-day batsman. And like, yeah. 100 runs in tests is still 100 bloody runs. It's 100 runs. Like Be- Bevan could have played more tests. Yeah, you know no, I mean? it's, a, it's 100. It doesn't, you don't lose runs because you make them quicker. Uh, um, but yeah. he, could, he could play in the NBA. If a GM gave him a chance, I don't think they'd be disappointed at all. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the last couple, mate, really quickly. Sorry, I know I'm bloody holding you for too long, but you've still got half a stubby left, so it's not the end of the world. Um I think personally, and I obviously haven't been inside the four walls, but your leadership style really sits in with, and I've been lucky enough to be alongside Hodgie, Sam Mitchell, um, Shannon Hearn, Darren Glass, absolute legends and, and leaders. And I've noticed that your leadership qualities are, uh, you know, sit parallel with those guys, if, if not above. One night you showed leadership that I've sort of put that in my back pocket and I'm going to teach it to my son. Was it R&B Friday's uh, a live concert? Um, and we had the... the I should Perth- have you setting me up here. Uh, yeah, no, 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 those words, are, those words from oh, the start no, were, were... Those words from the start, I'm, I truly mean. But um, we had drink cards at this R&B Friday's live uh, gig and the Wildcats boys were there. And I think Derek Cook Jr. might have been yeah. there. For, a whole lot of swag was going on. Jake anyway. Tokato, I think he was there. Yeah, Tokato. Oh, yeah, no, the boys were rocking. Anyway, I saw them... Um, we had drink cards and it was like vouchers, so everyone was one. And it didn't matter whether you got a fifteen dollar um, pint of beer mm-hmm. or a dollar fifty bottle of water. One voucher, one token, equal one drink. And I, I, I witnessed the the Wildcats boys um, getting waters with the vouchers, <laughs> and they were limited. And I went over to you said, and I said, I just didn't give a fuck whether Michael Jordan was in the corner. To be honest <laughs> with you, I was like, <laughs> they're drink cards, mate. I was on. like, hey, Marto. 
No more water with the drink vouchers. Sort it. And you wandered over. <laughs> Not one more water was bought with these vouchers for the rest of the night. They, they absolutely, mate, they were six foot eight and absolute monsters. And if they'd have said boo, I would have jumped off the box we were in. Gave you all the vouchers, and you see how dehydrated those boys yeah. were the next night yeah. for the game. No wonder you were at the bottom of the ladder <laughs> before Christmas. <laughs> um, and mate, just quickly, I've got a, a last bit of audio I want to play that I've, I've sort of found today. Uh, it's from your teammates, mm-hmm. and I want to ask you. Um, I'm going to ask you after it when you started, and we spoke about the Tarago and your dad and our uh, rugby league. So this is how your teammates have reflected on you. How, how does it sit with you now, and, and what's next for you in your life? Damo, um, you know, a fantastic guy off the floor. Um, you know, on the floor, he's he's getting after you any play, uh, any play, and almost every play. So, as far as you know, playing against him at training, it's helped me out a lot with uh, my ball handling. And you know, you got to look after the ball around him because he's six-time Defensive Player of the Year and things like that. So he'll make you pay if you don't. He's priceless. You know, what he does is inspirational on the court. He just outworks people. He's smart. He's intelligent and his defence, you know, he's going to be the best defensive player in the NBL history. It rubs off onto the other guys, so it's a great leadership by uh, example. I think he's not only a role model for myself, but for the whole group, especially the young guys coming through. You see what you have to do to be a professional, and um, he emphasises that. Damo, you know, as I said previously, you know, we moved over at the same time, and uh, don't tell him to, but, I, you know, I think he's, he's probably the best Wildcat of all time. Best leader I've ever played with. Um, hell of a player, but uh, even better person. And I, I look up to him definitely on and off the floor. Um, I can go on and on about him, but I'm not going to give him a big head. But I, I'll give him props with that. Now I might have missed. Uh, I might have missed one or two players, but that was Norton K, Swagstaff, Trevor, <coughs> Gleason, your coach, Bryce Cotton. Yeah. How does that sit, mate? It's all ended for you. you you're done until we get Div Three um, C grades <laughs> at um, Perry Lakes. Yeah, hey, I, I haven't heard that. That's um, I haven't heard. I'm, I'm choking up a little bit. I've got him. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really nice. I mean, as Mika Vakona um, and the guy I've always respected my yeah. whole career. So Mika came up with you should play for the two R's, rings and relationships. Yeah, and and it is, and that's the relationship side of it. The mateship is the thing I'm going to miss the most. The day to day banter, and the third R I'd actually add to that is really, you know relish every moment. Yeah, because one thing that the injury did because I had it in round four. And I knew I was going to be retiring. What it did is it gave me an appreciation of time, time left in the game. Mm-hmm. And so every single day, the stuff that I'd probably taken for granted, I started to see it in a new way. And it was, you know, enjoying stretching because that's the time where you'd have a bit of banter before yeah. I got serious when you crossed the white line. You know, enjoying lunch where you'd stick around an extra 10 or 15 minutes opposed to disappearing because you just wanted to get home. Now I was like, yeah. this could be the one of the last lunches I have yeah. um, with these guys. So like, yeah, those three things, rings, relationships, and relishing every moment, you know, that's why I played and why I tried playing as long as possible, but more importantly, enjoyed it for so long. And uh, yeah, hearing that's really nice because it is the people you surround yourselves with that can determine whether you're, you're happy, you're sad, you're successful or not. And I played alongside some bloody good people. Jeez, I'm hoping I haven't found something that's meant to be played at your retirement dinner. I've just played it to you before. I'm starting to panic. I'll be like, oh, Xavier, he did that the other day. He came up with it. Um, no, mate, uh, you know, to watch you play, and I've really jumped on the, the Wildcats uh, Nuffy bandwagon over here. To watch you play, um, it's been incredible, and it's not because you're Bryce Cotton and you score 30 points. It's the way you go about it, the work you put in, uh, the never-die attitude. Uh, I don't think there is a better person to follow as an elite athlete, a young kid out there, how to get the best out of yourself. So, mate, congratulations on 340-odd games, six uh, championships, six uh, times Defensive Player of the Year, now named in your honour as well, which how many players leave the game and have the... the um, um, a trophy medal, whatever it's called, in your honour within 24 hours. Um, and I heard the story you didn't actually know you t- who you were talking to. Do you want to quickly say it before we hang yeah, up? Yeah, no, when I left the press conference, I was you know pretty emotional. I was getting some phone calls and messages, but we got in the car and like, Maggie, my daughter, three-year-old. So Maggie Martin, my daughter, literally introduced herself as, hi, I'm Maggie Martin from the Perth Wildcats. Like, the stuff like that I'm going to miss. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Maggie was on the phone watching the Wiggles the whole way home. And I didn't take any of the calls. I just let her watch. But then when we got home, it started ringing. She goes, here you go, Daddy. I answer, I was like, hey, you know, introduce myself, but I'm getting Bonnie, my other daughter, out of yeah. the car, so I'm not really paying attention. And some guy introduced himself. I didn't know who it was, didn't hear him, sorry. And then and Maggie didn't obviously pass on the details. No, like she's I meant to. <laughs> so who was this? And then, uh, and then the guy goes, so if there's anything we can ever do with your real estate, 
let us know. We can, we're happy with you know yeah. prospecting and whatnot. So in my head, I'm thinking it's a buyer or a seller I've currently worked with. Around Perth. Or around Perth, yeah. yeah. And then he goes, but the reason I'm calling is we're going to name the NBL Defensive Player of the Year Award after you, if that's okay. And, yeah. and I'm like, sorry, who is this? Because <laughs> I recognise the voice, but yeah. I'm like, hang on. And then he goes, it's Jeremy. I'm like, oh, it's the NBL Commissioner. I'm like, oh, Jeremy, sorry, mate. Look, yeah. And I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. It's incredible achievement. Yeah, it's amazing. Home. So, yeah, it's something I'll be very proud of. And, and Andrew Gaze has the MVP award named after yeah. him. And, and it's funny that I'll be up on stage with Andrew because he made this comment once and it was probably just a throwaway comment where he said, good offense always beats good, good defense. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, nah, but great defense will always beat great offense. And I've yeah. always wanted to live that way yeah. and, uh, and try and prove that point, whether I did or not. But it's cool that I get to share an award, well, have an award and share the stage with an all-time great. We could, in, in terms of footy um, terms, we've got a, a lot of football listeners, Alistair Clarkson lived by that theory. Oh, really? Or de- well, think about that he brought into different zones yeah, and yeah. team structures and clusters and that sort of stuff where he thought, well, we'll score. We'll, 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 we'll manage that. Yeah. But if we stop you from scoring, you're absolutely rooted. And, uh, you know, what you did, and I, we used to sit there at times and our WhatsApp group, and I've, I'll let you go, mate. We used to just sit there in awe of the stuff you used to do and your toughness. So congratulations on an amazing career. And next for you is real estate. Yeah, where where yeah. can we find you? And I did say, sorry, you did say I'll send you an invoice and I said, <laughs> I'm not going to pay you, but here it is. Here's my free plug. No, when we sell this, yeah. you've got the commission straight away. There you go. You can, you can list it now if yeah. you want. We want to sell for 10 years, but you, you list it now. It'd be like the pub I'm trying to sell. It's yeah. been sitting there for a while. Oh, yeah. now. No, no, yeah, I'm doing real estate. I work with the foundation, a few other things, yeah. but just staying in Perth now. Absolutely. I, I, I moved here and when I was asked who my favourite AFL player was, I mixed it up because I was lying through my teeth. I didn't know anything. And I said, Matthew Sanderlins because my cousin told me Aaron Sanderlins or Matthew Barrett. <laughs> 11 years later, I get to call at home. I love my footy. I love the people. I when love you the said state. Matthew Sanderlins, I was like, was there a rookie called Matthew Sanderlins? <laughs> I was going into my first interview, yeah. called my cousin. They said, they're the two best players. Just say one of those. Yeah, I'll no, never forget that moment. Them. But now it's, it's 11 years later and I love the state. It's like my old dad and my dad, sorry, when we were talking cricket one day and he was he was trying to justify why he had a bet on India to beat Australia. And he goes, <laughs> well, mate, they've got you. You're a dickhead. They've got Sachin Tanguli playing. <laughs> Thanks, Marto. Uh, last cheers, mate. That was really great. Thank you very much. Uh, you've been a star. Cheers, mate.